How do you do? Have you ever wanted to press a reset button on your life? The man in our story did exactly that. Life in the 1700s would lead him in two very different and dangerous directions. One path was set for great adventures. But when he tried to navigate his life's stormy seas alone, he nearly drowned. In his quest for a new direction, he blindly wandered until, finally, his eyes were opened. And that's when his heart and mind and life were unshackled. I've asked you, matey. You'll not escape my sword. <laughs> you have you, Swabby. Victory is mine. <laughs> Wait. You hear that? A ship setting sail out in the harbor. Wonder where it's headed. Oh, some are exciting. Those sailors probably fight real pirates, too. <laughs> I was dreaming about ships and pirates, you are, John. <laughs> Mostly when I should be doing my chores. Come on, let's climb that tree to watch it set sail. Me first. My father's captain of a ship, you know. John! John Newton! Get down from there this instant! Uh-oh. Captured. That's just me stepmother. She doesn't like me much. Bet you miss your real mom. She was the best. Taught me songs and poems. You deaf boy! I'm getting my switch. Uh, someday I'll run away to fight pirates and search for treasure. Maybe. But for now, you'd best get to those chores. Uh, for now. But you'll see. I'll be the strongest, meanest, most feared sailor ever. And I'll fight any bloke who says I'm not. This is Unshackled, dramatizing true life stories produced in Chicago by Pacific Garden Mission. Chicago is beloved for its lakefront, natural beauty, wealth of culture, and warm Midwestern demeanor. And yet the homeless population is abundant. Pacific Garden Mission has been serving this population since 1877, making us the oldest continuously operating rescue mission in the country. Every day, hundreds of men, women, and children of all ages and backgrounds seek help, shelter, food, and hope. Through generous donations from people like you, we are able to serve people in need, providing nourishing meals, fresh clothing, and a safe place to sleep. This gives us an opportunity to introduce people to the one who can provide all their needs, which is what this program celebrates. Now for broadcast around the earth, here is episode number 3,643 in the series, Unshackled, the program that makes you face yourself and think. Seeking a life of adventure, the man in our story got more than he bargained for. Based on YWAM Publishing's Christian Heroes Then and Now series by Janet and Jeff Benj, we bring you part one of the true story of John Newton, right now on Unshackled. Sailing the high seas as a ship's captain. That was all I thought of as a boy, though my mother had different plans for me. My earliest memories were of happy times with her, learning Bible lessons and singing her favorite hymns. But when I was six years old, she died of a lung disease, leaving me sad and alone. With my father at sea, I had to live with relatives I barely knew. Life became even worse when my father returned, remarried, and went immediately back to sea, leaving me with a stepmother who was nothing like my mother. 
You're going to die along with him if you don't knock off that singing. <sighs> Sorry, ma'am. Enough with that nonsense. It's not nonsense. My mum taught me that hymn. I don't care who taught you. It's too early for singing. But mum said a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. She did, did she? Oh, yes. She said it's important to know the word of God. <laughs> it's more important to obey your elders and do your work silently. She wanted me to be a preacher someday. Said it was God's plan for my... Your mother's gone now, and I've got no interest in a church-going ways. But my mum said... Enough, John. I don't want to hear another word about what your mum said. <laughs> yes, mum. Then stop that snivelling. I'll take my switch to you, I will. Lonely and confused, I learned to get along by finishing my chores and then exploring the docks watching the sailors. The faith I had learned from my mother began to fade from my memory until I was eight years old and my father returned home and enrolled me in boarding school. At first, I was delighted since it meant I would escape my stepmother until I discovered I had only traded one pain for another. Did you memorize those Bible verses last night, John? Yes, but I gave up on the mathematical problems. You best figure them out before class starts. Who needs mathematics anyway, Edward? I'm going to be a sailor. Still, Allman Battersby looks for any excuse to use his whip. Because of mathematics? Yesterday, I saw him beat Lionel till the blood came through his shirt. Why would they do that? Because Lionel's weak. The old man just wants to see you cry. He won't make me cry. And Master Battersby holds the Bible in one hand and a whip in the other. But the Bible is about love and kindness. <laughs> He just teaches it. He doesn't live by it. He won't whip me. I'll run away. You better run fast and far then, Sean. That whip's as long as it is vicious. The headmaster's cruelty made me long for home, in spite of my stepmother's attitude. I also began to question everything my mother had taught me about faith in a living God, because every adult in my young life had hurt or disappointed me. I endured two long years at school when my father decided he'd waste no more money on my education and assigned me to his next sea voyage as a cabin boy. At 10 years old, I packed a bag with great expectation and set out for what I thought would be an exciting adventure at sea. You there, cabin boy. Me? That's me, sir. Name's Alfred. You got your sea legs yet, boy? I ain't seasick, if that's what you mean. And you're better off than some. Get yourself over there and swab that deck before the captain sees that mess. Why me? I'm not the one who got sick over there. Oh, you'll not be telling you again, squirt. A cabin boy don't argue with a bosun's mate. Well, uh, maybe you don't know who I am. And just why do you think I care? You got your orders. But I'm John Newton, Captain Newton's son. And I'm the Crown Prince of England. Get to work. But look, Johnny boy, do you think because of your name you'd not be the lowest of the low on board ship? I, I just thought I'd be sailing and fighting pirates. <laughs> That's a good one, that is. A cabin boy fighting pirates. My father says I'll be captain someday. Someday ain't today, boy. You've got to learn to take orders first. So, if I finish following orders, 
Will you teach me about the rigging? I might teach you something about sailing. But not till you learn who you are. Aye, aye. Sir. Oh, yes, sir. Aye, aye, sir. It seemed fighting pirates would have to wait while I learned seamanship from experienced sailors. I also began to pick up language and behaviors that were far from the refined manners and values my mother taught me. When the voyage ended, I thought I was well on my way to being an able-bodied sailor. But my father disagreed and left me behind again with my stepmother as he went back to sea. I spent every spare moment at the docks, and it didn't take long for my reckless ways to land me in deep waters. Ever seen such a big ship, Edward? You mean the warship, way up there? You been aboard a ship like that before? Aboard? Huh. Patrick, I was helping sail it. <gasps> Were there pirates? Yeah. And sea monsters? Both. Scary and mean. Fought them all, too. Yeah? Could get us aboard? Sure. I know that ship inside out. Yeah, right. Bragging again. I'm not. See that old sailor? He's my friend. Prove it. Yeah! Then maybe we'll believe you told tales. I was so eager to impress my friends that I never gave a thought to what could happen to three very inexperienced 13-year-old boys on the high seas. Determined to prove myself, I tried to convince old Alfred of my plan, not knowing that disaster was waiting just ahead. Looky here, boy. I got no time to be ferrying kids out in the ocean. But, Alfred... Still, sir, to you, Squirt. Yes, sir. But if you loaned us your skiff, we could row out by ourselves. And just why would I do that? Well, wh what if I mention your good deed to my father, the captain? There you go again, Johnny boy. Thinking your father can open doors for you. But would you do it? I'm afraid nothing good could come of this. But they never saw a real sailor like you up close, sir. <laughs> Young'uns. If I agree, will you stop pestering me? Yes, sir. Be at the dock seven sharp. And don't be late or the deal's off. We won't be late, sir. But I was late. My stepmother refused to let me go until after dinner. It was long past seven when I arrived, and I could see the little skiff already far out on the ocean. Realizing the boys left without me, I muttered curses under my breath. Then, as I watched, the wind began to shift and toss the little boat around on the water. Suddenly, to my horror, the skiff disappeared under a huge wave and when it finally resurfaced, it was upside down. As the rescue boats brought the skiff back to shore, I searched the docks for Alfred, hoping my friends were with him. Oi, I check the shore up there! I can't see him anywhere! Alfred! You find the boys? Didn't I tell you? Now good would come of this, Johnny. Did you know your friends couldn't swim? No, sir. I, I just thought... You thought? And why wasn't you with him? I had chores. Well, if you'd been with him, you'd be gone they, too. They... they didn't make it. I'm sorry, boy. The water got fierce and deep. 
This was my fault. No, boy. You didn't know what was in store out there. Alfred, if I had been with them, I... Well, I can't swim either. And you're fortunate. This time... A lesson for ye here, John Newton. A sailor should learn how to swim. All that kind of lesson, boy. Then... Then what? Maybe the need to call on a different father to help you. A different father? Oi. Your heavenly father, boy. The one that holds the power of the wind and the waves. My friends' deaths haunted me. I had come so close to dying with them, I wondered if their souls had gone to heaven or hell. Alfred's words also made me consider my own soul. My mother taught me that God had a plan for my life, but did I really know my heavenly father any better than my earthly father? Without my mother, my questions would go unanswered. By age 17, I took an exciting new job on the island of Jamaica. But before I sailed, I was sent on an errand to the home of our distant cousin. I didn't know then that my life was about to change dramatically in yet another important direction. We'll find out about John Newton's next adventure in just a moment. Mrs. Catlett? Yes? I'm John Newton. Bless my soul! My very nephew! Yes, ma'am. My father sent me with papers for you. Oh, please, come in. You must be freezing. You were hip-high when last we met. <laughs> my mother spoke of you often. Have you time for a visit, John? A, a short one. I set sail for Jamaica soon. Oh, come. Warm up by the fire while our Polly fetches tea. Polly? Mother? I'm right here. Oh, yes, Polly. This is your distant cousin, John Newton, who is in great need of hot tea. Pleasure, Mr. Newton. Pleasure is mine, Polly. Please, call me John. You're sailing to Jamaica? Are you a ship's captain? <laughs> Not yet, but I expect to be someday. Oh, must be so exciting out there on the ocean. Oh, that it is. And what will you do when you reach Jamaica? I work as an overseer on a plantation. Is that as adventurous as being at sea? <laughs> Probably not, but in a few years, I could return a wealthy man. Oh! oh. <laughs> oh. 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 How will you travel in this weather? He won't. It's too treacherous. You must stay with us, John. Oh, please do. We have plenty of room. Well, that's very kind, but I have to report to the ship soon. Oh, but surely not in a snowstorm. Well, perhaps I could stay, but only until the snow lets up. The snow left quickly, but I remained. I found it hard to leave. It was the first time I'd ever known the happiness of a caring family, especially one with such a lovely young lady as Polly Catlett. It was also the first time I was truly sorry to be going so far away. I knew I would miss my ship if I stayed too long, but the warmth of their close-knit family and lovely daughter tugged at my lonely heart. When I finally said goodbye, 
It was with the hope of seeing Polly again. But a conversation with her mother took the wind right out of my sails. John, a word before you go. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you, again. Not necessary, John. This is about Polly. Oh, uh, I see. I hope you do see. Our Polly is far too young to be considering suitors. Yes, but when I return from sea... If you return from sea... But I'm a good sailor with good prospects. A sailor? We want much more for our daughter than a mere sailor can provide. I'm truly sorry, John, but the answer is no. Could we at least have permission to write letters? Perhaps, in time. God has a plan for Polly's life. And yours too, John Newton. I thought Mrs. Catlett was surely wrong about God's plan for my life when I missed the ship to Jamaica. Furious, my father demoted me to cabin boy on a trading ship about to sail. He also warned me that England was fighting a war at sea, and the Navy was on the lookout for able-bodied men to force them into service aboard their warships. But because I couldn't stop thinking about Polly, I forgot my father's warning and walked right into disaster again. Where... where am I? The holding cell. Waiting to board a Navy ship, sailor. Uh, how did I get here? <laughs> Paying no mind to your surroundings would be my guess. Oh, right. The soldiers. They grabbed me at the docks. They're now cold, but you'll soon be board a ship. Not a warship? Very much a warship. Fighting the French, I'll wager. Fighting? Uh, wait, I, I, I can't go. I, I'm not trained for this. <laughs> Can't. Listen, if you get word to my father, Captain Newton, he'll straighten this out. <laughs> Not likely. Even a captain can't help you now. What if I pay you to take a message to him? Pay me, huh? Fine. But mark my words, you'll be fighting for Her Majesty before this day's over. Maybe old Alfred was right about calling on the wrong father for help. When my own father didn't help me, I was assigned to a warship where I forgot the Christian ways of my mother and became like the hard-drinking, cursing sailors I lived with. As months went by, some men even ran away and became deserters. I envied their freedom. I worried that Polly would marry someone else before I returned, until one day when I was ordered ashore to load fresh supplies. That order fit right into my plan. I slipped behind some cargo and walked away, hoping the guards wouldn't notice, and I deserted my ship. Oi, look over there! Look under those boxes. You there! Where you headed? Me? Just going home. Looks familiar. Looks like a sailor to me. He ain't one of them deserters, are ye? Of course not. Sure smells like a sailor. You know what we do to deserters. I'm not a deserter. Let me pass. Not buying it. You're coming with us, deserter. Seaman John Newton, I sentence you to 12 lashes for deserting your ship. <laughs> Sailors, take heed. <laughs> if you don't want to feel the lash of a whip across your back. <laughs> Ah! <laughs>
punished, stripped of rank, and back at sea. If there was a father in heaven who cared, I had certainly fallen from his grace. The only bright spot in my misery was a brief time on shore to visit Polly. At twenty years old, I had already sinned with a heavy hand and made enemies among my shipmates. I knew I would need to change my ways if I was going to find my fortune and impress the Catlets. When a rich merchant named Amos Cowell offered to get me out of the Navy to work on his merchant ships, I jumped at the chance. I couldn't wait to tell Polly the good news. So you're saying you've left the sea? Not entirely. I'll... I'll be a trader of merchandise on one of Amos's ships. Where? Islands off the coast of Africa. And you hope to make your fortune this way? I hope to become a man you might consider as a suitor. So you could give up the sea and live a quiet life on land? If that's what it takes. A quiet Christian life? I was taught the Bible, Polly. Some of it still lives in my mind. I see. But does it also live in your heart, John Newton? Because when it does, you will have your fortune, even if you never become a rich man. I thought of Polly's words as I worked for Amos. I even took a Bible with me that I hadn't read since my school days. But my chief aim in reading it had less to do with God and more to do with escaping eternal damnation, especially when the work we were doing was not trading in merchandise, but lives human lives. To make matters worse, Amos was married to an island woman who hated me, and while her husband was away, she allowed me to be beaten and starved until I was so sick I almost died. Finally, a messenger came from my father with another offer to consider. How's to your return to England, my boy? Uh, hold on, Captain Swanwick. I haven't exactly agreed to that yet. <laughs> Your father thought you might say that. Did he? You expect to make your fortune here by trading slaves. Why not? Weather's fine here. It's cold in England. Oh, did I neglect to mention that one of your mother's relatives died and left you some money? Left me? An inheritance. Your father says it's a hefty one. How hefty? You'll be a rich man in England. But you must go home to claim it. A fortune? That I don't have to work for? My ship leaves port tomorrow. Come aboard as my guest. England awaits, John. On board Captain Swanwick's ship, I had little to do. I wasn't used to leisure time aboard ship and spent most of my days drinking with the crew and using such foul language that even the captain took offense. The ship was on the final leg of a long journey and was sadly in need of repairs, but it had seemed seaworthy enough. I spent my nights in a snug cabin, dreaming of my inheritance and never taking notice of the spring storms that seemed to come up out of nowhere. All hands on deck, man overboard! Strike the royals! Strike the royals. How bad is it? Masts pitching too! The storm's too strong! Man the pumps, Newton! Aye, aye, Captain! Hold on! For nine long hours, the storm raged. 
In the few moments I had to rest, I searched the Bible for words of comfort. The only passage I remembered was from Proverbs. Ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. Could that be true? If so, I was terrified that the wickedness of my life meant that a wretch like me didn't deserve the grace of God. Deeply sorry, I asked forgiveness and wished I had a second chance to set things right. But as I rushed back to my post, I knew the end was near. Strike the royals! Lash yourself to the helm or be swept out to sea! Aye, aye, Captain! And the Lord have mercy on us all! The Lord! Hi, John! You're seeing with new eyes! I am! Lord, save us from the raging waters! The storm's gone wild! Yes, sir, it is. But I'm trusting the one who holds the power of the wind and the waves. The amazing grace of God saved us and the faith my mother had planted in my soul was renewed, and I saw how many times God had tried to get my attention. As the ship was repaired, I read with new eyes about Jesus, who died on a cross for my sins. I'd been so blind to God's gift of grace that saved a wretch like me that I wrote a poem to share with Polly someday. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Ha! <laughs> Amazing grace. I knew Polly would understand. John Newton began to understand what it meant to have his life transformed by Jesus Christ. But his tests were not over. In some ways, they had only begun. Don't miss the exciting conclusion in part two of John Newton's story on the next Unshackled. Listening friend, have you struggled to find peace in the midst of the stormy seas in your life? Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John Newton saw that his life would only change when he put his faith and trust in Christ for his salvation. Have you found such a faith? And if you have never put your faith in Christ, you will never find the peace to make it through life's storms until you do. Why not trust Christ now? Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 promise that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you need help in this crucial decision, get in touch with us at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607, or call 1-888-NEED-HIM. The telephone number in Chicago is 312-492-9410. Our email address is unshackled at pgm.org. Visit our website to learn more about this ministry, unshackled.org.
This is program number 3643, heard in part one of the true story of John Newton were Jill Schellebarger, Lisa Keefe, John Bobbo, Demetrius Troy, and Jim McCanns. Original music and audio engineer Don Badorf. Sound Demetrius Troy. Recording engineer David Pierczynski. Script Karen Knight. Unshackled is produced by Pacific Garden Mission to show through true stories that if your life is empty, it can be filled to overflowing. Please write today. Your letter means a great deal to us. The address, Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. So, until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory reminding you that the doors to Pacific Garden Mission are open night and day. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.